This is The Playbook. I have the incredible entrepreneur, the incredible podcast host of the new BAM podcast, Jason Waller, my baller buddy. What's going on? BAM! I've been waiting to talk to you. My lions look good, baby. You've been giving me grief about my lions. My lions are on fire. Yeah, they really are. And I've won uh, my bets betting on the lions. And uh, they are for real. And I hope they make the playoffs. So I don't think anyone's going to want to play that team in the playoffs. So everyone's praying they don't make it. But I think they will. But anyway, you have been through a lot of transition. You had one of the top podcasts called True Underdog Podcast, which is one of my favorites. Some of the biggest names on that podcast. And now you've created a new energy around podcasting with BAM business and money podcast, two of my favorite things, you know, what motivated you to transition from that true underdog brand into the more bam alicious brand that you have? No, uh, great question, David. Thanks for having me on. Super excited. It's been a while. Uh, you know, one of my, you know, best friends out there, mentor, coach, and anything that you say is golden and people need to listen up. So, uh, and it's helped me tremendously, but with, you know, my, my previous podcast was telling the story of where I came from and where I got to. And now, you know, with everything that happened with the previous business and some manufacturers issue, and we had to, we had to close a company that was, you know, on pace to do a billion in sales and was going to go public for a billion dollars. And we had to lay off 2,200 employees. It was, it was tough. And I, I was like, I got to come up with something else. I need something refreshed. I need something exciting. It's not no true underdog story. It's not a redemption story. I always say bam. I even got the tattoo of bam on, on my arm, right? Like bam and, and bam to me. Hey, watch my TV show. We, we that's right, right. The two minute drill. We talk about it all the time. It's we, part, we bam it's part of the out. vernacular to bam everything. Yeah. And bam's exciting. And, it, and it, it really comes from building a movement, right? And it used to be in solar, building a movement, one panel, one customer, one employee, one, one life at a time. Uh, and so I was like, I just love you know, the, the BAM, the attitude, the energy, what it means, what it stands for. And so, you know, body and mind, business and money, like different things. And I was like, you know, I'm going to make a BAM podcast and I'm going to tie it to business because I've built, you know, companies and have done well and have struggled. And, uh, and, you know, I've made some money and lost some money and uh, talk about my experiences in life and in business and just try to empower and help people get to the next level. And so we did this whole rebranding campaign to see what it would, what it would be like. Um, and I was a little nervous. I was like, man, this is going to be tough. You know, you're used to one thing, uh, but it's been exciting and it's been different and it opens up a few different elements of listeners. Um, you know, true underdog could, could push some listeners away, uh, where this I think brings more opportunity of listeners in. So we we've been excited with the results and the, the followers and the subscribers, they've given us great feedback. I've, you know, the show, I've only had a couple guests on, uh, as of yet, I know you're coming on soon. Um, but instead of doing interviews all the time, I do like six, you know, of myself just talking and going through experiences, telling real life stories, like with me and my son or me in business or whatever, where people can be, you know, relatable to that and, and, and understand what's going on and, and feel it. And then interviewing some cool people. I've got some big names coming on Sean Whalen. You know, I, I love that guy, right? He's coming on. Uh, Eric Thomas is coming back on. You're coming on. Um, working on some other big names too. So yeah, it'll be exciting. Yeah. And beyond that too, it's really interesting is, you know, I consider you as a true underdog, but now I call you 
the top dog of accountability. And there's three types of transitions of accountability. One, you're a guy who's always taking responsibility, not just for yourself, but for everyone around you. And you've been through the highs and the lows. And a lot of people, they run away from their responsibility. And the second genre is more in the laws of attraction, where you're looking to see what you can learn, right? What did I do to attract this to myself? Even if I'm not responsible, what did I do to attract it? And you know, what am I supposed to learn from it so that I can grow and help other people grow from it? Uh, but there's a third aspect that I've been studying. And when I was studying it, I was thinking of your book, Own Your Power, No Excuses, No Bullshit, The Time Is Now, because it really is relevant to a participation in a perception. Yeah. And you know, as you have built a big brand and you built huge companies and you've done well and you, when you are the top, you have to uh, realize the participation in the perception and the perception, uh, especially in the case of, you know, your solar history is, is just not uh, congruent with the truth. Yep. And so you have to be accountable, responsible attraction. But how are you participating in the multivariable perceptions of, you know, a business, a billion dollar business failing? And there's, you know, like, you know, I always say you get seven of these idiots in one room, you got eight opinions. So you got eight, eight participations and perceptions, which I think is, from my experience, the hardest thing to deal with is so many different perceptions. And you're the only one that knows the truth. Yeah, no. And and thank you for, for walking me down that and, and looking at it that way. Cause a lot of people don't, they just hear something and think of something and then they jump on it on, on what that perception is, which really in a lot of cases is the furthest from the truth in some things. And so I think, you know, first as a society, we all have to do a better job to fact find, not just take what the easiest low hanging assumption, you know, comment or news article is out there. Um, but there's a lot of confusion in solar and you know, it, it's crazy to go seven plus years and you know this, you've seen, you know, my brand and the company grow of being the darling in solar. And when I mean darling, I mean seven plus years with an A plus with the BBB in every state we're in. That's unheard of. Uh, you know, winning over 40 company awards, the executives winning over 10 awards. I won the EY Entrepreneur of the Year Award. We put solar on five NFL stadiums, a major league baseball. Like we were it. And there was no perception of shady business or, you know, shady installs or anything. And we put Generac on the map. Generac was our manufacturer for batteries and solar components. They already were huge in the, um, uh, uh, what is it? The, the, uh, when your power goes out, uh, generators, generators, generators. they were already huge in the generator business. And they approached us and were like, look, you guys are the darling of solar. We'd love to co-brand with you. We'd love to build with you. And that's what we did. And it's crazy because, you know, we've always been able to maintain, we're not perfect. No company that grows is perfect. And we grew double, like during COVID, like you're going to have some bumps. You're going to hit some hills of issues of, you know, customers not getting exactly the experience that they should sometimes. Right. But 
it's all relative in your growth. Meaning if we were a smaller company, you have a few customers that you got to deal with. When you're a larger company, you might have a few more that you got to deal with. And we've always been able to manage any problems we've created, like whether it be an installation thing or roof leak, whatever it is, we're not perfect. These are human beings. They make mistakes. We've always been able to pony up and make it right. And that shows in our ratings and, and all these 40,000 customers picking me, picking my team, picking our company to put solar on their house. But when you go from 800 phone calls a month of customers calling and asking questions and you're sitting around 40,000 customers to 36,000 in less than 30 days, 800 to 36,000 phone calls, no hold times to five and a half hour hold times and thousands, well, I'd say maybe two or 3,000 complaints over 45 days of their system not working or producing. So therefore they felt they were sold something that, that you know, that is farthest from the truth and not working, they're having this perception. I'm a consumer. I buy something. It doesn't matter who I buy it from. I buy it from you. I don't care your manufacturers. We didn't know there was a manufacturer problem. Here we are for 60 days going, what the heck is going on? We're researching it. We're bringing data engineers in. We're asking Generac why we keep replacing these uh, little, little parts of Snap RS that keeps heating. I got one on my desk over there. We're asking like, what is going on? And they're giving us really shelled, controlled, vague answers. And our legal team's like, something's up. And so we just kept digging in and it turns out, and that's the perception. Everyone thinks it's a battery problem. It wasn't a battery problem. It was a problem with this snap. I'm going to grab one. Nice. <laughs> this thing right here, right? Well, it's important. Like if people listen, they, yeah. this is a piece that's like an ignition switch that goes on the back of a solar panel that allows the energy to hit the panel and then turn on, go down the wiring, hit the inverter, and then you convert energy into your home. That's how it works. If you have a battery, it goes into your battery and you use it at night or if the power goes out. Well, these things were melting and heating up and we were replacing them by the thousands at the beginning of the year and the, the end of the first quarter. We're like, something's wrong. And that's when all these complaints and phone calls came in and we're asking them, we're asking, they're like, oh, well, we had that issue last year. So we had to go back to some of our phone calls and notes. We did. There was a fire that happened in April, 2021. And they, they blamed this on it, the fire inspector. Generac took responsibility. Here's a few hundred grand, make that customer happy. We're like, is this something we need to worry about? They said, nope, we have firmware that's a permanent fix. All problems are gone. Don't worry about it. Came from their CEO, came from their leadership team multiple times. We thought everything was fine. It wasn't. Thousands, I mean, thousands, David, 15 to 20,000 customers were having this issue. We don't know about it. We're not at their home. And a signal would be sent to turn part of their system off, to cool it off and not let these run, which meant if you bought a system that's supposed to produce about $200 a month worth of power, and now it's producing $90 a month worth of power, 99% of the chance, the reason is they sent the firmware to, to cool this off. And that's what we started to find out May and June. Then they gave us a new part and it just started to tremble. We went from a sales and installation company to a service company. We went from having this great rating to the BBB pulling our rating for about 60 days. And we were like, what is, like, we were trying to figure this out. So we're, we're, we're you know, we're partners with General. We're like, look, we've been a great partner. We haven't thrown you under the bus. We've been taking this. I personally, being the face, have been taking a beating here. You guys need to step up and start paying us for this service. You need to send a letter out to these customers. You need to let them know what's going on. You should have done a recall. Well, I don't know if we should have done a recall. I said, well, if I made cars and one seatbelt, 1% was going bad. This is at 41% failure, by the way. Uh, they would have my head. They, they would do a recall. You can't make something. This is dangerous. Well, we got firmware. Yeah, but now it's not working. That's fraud. They paid for something that's not working. It's not working because of your firmware. 
that's fraudulent. That's an issue. So they, we were going back and forth with them and I kept taking the heat. And finally we uh, got them to send the customer a letter. They started giving us new parts. Then they weren't paying us for service. We built them over $51 million in service. They weren't paying us. Our, our, we had to start laying people off. Our sales started going down because of the complaints. And we went from this very profitable, healthy, great company doing great things in communities, adding jobs, allowing people to own their power to cleaning up messes of, of burnt you know, snaps and fixing systems that weren't working in the thousands. And we just weren't making any money doing it. And we kept held them accountable. We sued them while we were still open. They didn't pay us. We ended up closing the doors. Um, we tried everything. Kevin, which is my business partner, and myself put multiple millions of dollars into the company. We took ourselves off payroll in April. I'm a big believer, David. If I have to lay people off, I shouldn't get a paycheck. Because every time I've ran a company, I've always grown. I've never gone the other way. So when we started laying people off in the end of April, beginning of May, we took ourselves off payroll. I'm like, I don't feel comfortable laying off 500 people and we get a paycheck. And the executives agreed to that. And so that's just who we are. We did it during COVID. And as this progressed, the complaints got worse. A consumer stuck in the middle saying, I don't care. I bought this product. It's not my fault. You know, if you knew about it, why'd you put it in? Well, we didn't know it still had, we didn't know it was shutting off. We didn't know till, you know, May or June that they were shutting 15 to 20,000 systems weren't working. That's half our customer base. So long story short, couldn't afford anything, put money in the business, ended up closing and then bankrupting the company. And that was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was hard because I got painted as the Wolf of Wall Street because there's pictures of me in a best dressed magazine where they used a Lamborghini and a and a fur rug or fur jacket and made me look. They made me look bad, and I should probably should have never done that photo shoot four years ago, but I did. It was Detroit's best dressed. I wanted to do it in the backyard. They wanted to do it in the front yard. They gave me the jacket. Needless to say, perception is reality. These people look at this and go, "Wow, this guy's got nice stuff. This company's out of business." And all of these customers are left hanging, which is sad. And that's why I've called for a national recall forever, forever, forever. And then now, finally, slowly, justice is starting to come. There's two class action lawsuits against them from consumers, one in a state we're not even in because there's other companies now suing them for what they did to them, which they did to us, but we were 80% or so of their business. And then there's a securities fraud lawsuit against them. So I, I say this saying, look, when people paint you red and my wife and my kids are getting harassed and, and I, and people are upset and some employees, we had to lay off 2,200 employees and close. They don't know what's going on. They see in the media, they're like, there's, there's no smoking gun. I've never, you know, I, I made the same money, David, in 2018 on salary that I made in 2022 and the company grew 20 times the size. I didn't pay myself anymore. There's nothing that we did wrong except fight so hard for these consumers and so hard for our employees and so hard for the industry and I, and myself and my team and our company, we were, you know, we were a scapegoat and a guinea pig for Generax parts. And I, and I, it's tough, but here's the positive of it. How many people do you know built a billion dollar company and lost it now has to build another billion dollar company, right? So I try to look at it as like everything I've learned. Oh, that just makes me that much better to where I can help other companies go through navigating through the growth and navigate to better themselves and level up and navigate to make sure that you're really, you know, not stuck with one company in manufacturing or financing or however, and continue to do those things. And it's exciting. I'm investing in a couple of small companies and it's exciting to grow again, because when you're so big, you're playing prevent and protection and blocking. And I love growing and I love inspiring people. And I love seeing people grow with the company. And so that is exciting. God always has a plan. Uh, it doesn't feel good to know that. 
Huh? You should be the mascot for the Detroit Lions with that type of uh, attitude. Real, real quick, because I want to get to one other issue. And, you know, obviously I've worked with you and mentored you on building your brand. And, you know, you were my star student. And I used to laugh when I was in Indiana, seeing your face next to me in the car. I'm like, is, is people think Dave Meltzer's everywhere. Holy Lamoli, Jason Waller, he's the baller when it comes to personal branding. And, you know, it's interesting because everyone who builds their brand always has in the back of their head, well, you know, what if something like this should happen? You're the face of the, of the perception. And, you know, I read the comments, I look at it and I feel so much for my friend because like I said, you know, there's eight people and nine perceptions and you're the only one who holds these facts, which is part of the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast. I want to give you an opportunity uh, to show people and participate in a perception and go look up the facts, look up the lawsuits, look up the other companies that are involved. And I think you get a, a, a clear message. And yes, we can 2020 look and say, I shouldn't have done that picture or, you know, I like a nice car. But, you know, look at other CEOs running $600 million companies and, you know, see what they're making compared to what you were making. These are things that I looked in, even as your friend, right? I, I, I'm trusting and vetting all my friends at all time because nobody can screw you over more than a friend right. uh, and or family, by the way. There's an old saying. But for you, you know, and you with BAM in the podcast, you get in, into this, you know, what should people do if they take a perception hit? And you have people out there that are amplifying messaging that's incorrect. What's the best thing you can do? Because a lot of people say, Jason should have just stayed quiet. He shouldn't be on Dave's podcast. He shouldn't start a podcast. He should just let this thing die out. And you're taking a different approach. You know, why is that? And what should people do in your opinion? Well, one of, another great question. And I love, dude, you don't throw softballs. You throw right at me. And I, I love it. So because you can handle them, man. The truth uh, is yeah. the truth. And you know what? It it, it makes me re, rethink it like, oh my gosh, like I remember this moment. And so it triggered a moment that our, when when the complaints started happening, there was a bad press uh, bad news article in Detroit. And I always go on record saying, look, we weren't perfect. We made mistakes, but those mistakes were elevated because we had a lion's share of problems that ate up our resources and we couldn't get to our normal mistakes. We were always able to to manage. So there's customers out there like, I don't have that problem. I have this. We, I understand that. And I'm so sorry. And I wish there was something I could have done. I want to say that. But with the marketing thing, first of all, I never wanted to be the face of the brand. We hired this marketing company, you know, before, you know, in, in 17 uh, and 18, I wasn't the face of the brand. It was late 19. Um, we signed this company to do TV and they said, look, we're going to hire Morgan Freeman. This is a a fact we, we were they, they were negotiating with him and they said look rather than pay him save the money you do the commercials i'm like no way they're like think of my pillow think of being the i'm like no no i don't want to do it well I, they sold me on it i did it i was pretty good at it like i could read i could i have energy i feel i was like okay this works and then that led to well let me try a podcast and oh let me try that so there's a reason why things happen and they always said look you know when you're building a brand, I think it was important because people want to have someone they can trust. They don't want to just want to think of a logo. They want to think of a person that they can trust in the home that, that they're selling. So when they see me, they're like, okay, I like him. I can have do business with them. It's not just a brand. That's what they sold me on. And I agree with that until you hit a certain level. And, you know, we were still in great shape. The company was like, you know, still exploding. We were still the darling in October of 2021, but because we had an LOI to go public, 
it, we wanted a bigger name than Power Home Solar. We wanted to, we, so we decided we all collaborated with a company called Pink Energy. We thought it was just soft and inviting. And what it allowed me to do is say, I don't want to be the face. I don't want to be the face. It's bigger than that. It feels too small. Let me step back. And, and, and that's what we agreed on. Uh, what I would tell people is a couple things. One, when you're the face of a company, you bear all the responsibility. They're not doing business with the company. They're doing business with you. So you get the good and you get the bad. And the bad is hard sometimes because some of it's out of your control. Some of it, it could be way down the line and a, a manufacturer. Some of it could be an employee way down the line. Some of it could be just, you know, the mistakes that have happened or, or circumstances, but you are who they think of all the time. And most people are in this world, I, I hate to say this, but they don't celebrate success the way they should. They get angry and they go after and they attack people and they hate. And it's sad that that's the world we live in. And those are the reviews that you get. So with that, I would have to tell my team, David, when we were pink energy and they would have to go into homes and customers still wanted to do business with us. We were actually getting more sales in June and July and August than we were in March, April, May, and March. We were turning it around. The BBB gave us our rating back. Like things were on the up. We just dried out of resources. That's what happened. Like we turned it around, I think, we're, we're, you know, in, in the marketing, the branding. But what I used to have to motivate my team and it's how I motivated myself is I said, it, it's like an abused child. If a mom or dad tells their kid, you're just a piece of shit, you're a low life, you're this, you're this over and over and over again, a kid's going to start believing it. And when you see in the media that they're just painting our brand, our company, me, our salespeople, our installers, everything that we've done for seven and a half years where everybody loved us. And then this happened, you know, I, I tell them, you can't let that, you can't let them dictate that you just like I would tell a child, you're not that you are you, you know who you are when you go to bed. And you know who you are when you wake up and you know how hard you try to fight to do the right thing. Just believe in that. And so I try not to listen to the noise. My wife gets online. It's like, I can't believe they're saying this. This is so hurtful. And I'm like, look, it, it is what it is. I'm not going to give them my time and energy. We're not on the same level. These people just want to hate on me. I've never met anybody successful that's hated on me. I've never met anybody successful that has done well, that, that knows what I'm going through, but like doesn't know what I'm going through in business. This is what happens in business. You got to do with the good and the bad. And I would tell people, be careful when you're building you as your business selling something, but I'm a big believer in branding yourself because branding yourself that you just got to be you and people there. You're never going to make everybody happy. There's going to be a, as nice as David Meltzer is. He's one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. There's probably stuff out there where people just don't like him or there they see things about him and it doesn't affect his day because why he's like, look, I know who I am. I'm out here to help people and empower people to make a better world and to make a lot of money and to change the world. And like people that are smart enough and that are, you know, want to be at his level, they get it. People that don't, they just hate and they just, they just, they're lazy. They just want to point the finger. Those people, they're always going to be out there hating. And so you just got to learn to have thick skin. You certainly do. And I'd rather people hate me for who I am than love me for who I'm not. And that's why I love you because I love you for who you are. And I think that's extremely true, which is why I'm so excited that you you know, rose up and gave everybody who you are. Oh, you know what I didn't tell you? What I didn't tell you is kind of important. So when all this first start went down, our PR team was like, you don't need to, don't say anything to it. Let it go. Oh yeah. What happened was, is all of these stories started catching wind to other cities and they all put, they all already put their perception on. So when I came out two and a half months later, I had to fire the PR team, tell the attorney, stand down. I've got to represent our company. I've got to tell the facts. I don't care. Generac needs, we need to tell the truth. 
I went out there, it was too late in a lot of cases because they already had their decision made. So one of my biggest regrets is I feel like you don't stand down. If you are a good person and you do right things, you just stand out there and you tell the truth and you go out there and you let people know what's going on. And you get in front of stuff. You're going to deal with some apples thrown at you, but you're going to deal with some hugs too. And you're going to have understanding from people. And I think that that was one of my biggest regrets is I should have got in front of this earlier. My PR team was like, you don't need to, you don't need to. I'm like, I want to respond to put me on the news. No, I said, let me tell them what happened. And they didn't. And I feel like that, that was a part of the problem. I love it. And uh, you certainly are the comeback. We'll talk about another underdog when this guy's back up to a billion, because I guarantee it, the BAM podcast, the entrepreneur, the incredible top podcast host. Don't even call it a comeback. He's been here for years. Jason Waller, my favorite baller. He's the superstar of all my TV shows. And you're welcome as we are going to be filming in 2023 again. I'm looking forward to seeing him on my show, bringing the energy, bringing the truth as he always does. Thanks for joining me, Jason Waller. This Thank is David you. Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.